Stepping out of your shadow and into the light can be an interesting journey and take many twists and turns for introverts along the way. Eight years ago, Don Hadishak discovered the healing powers of being seen, specifically through photography, and has been traveling the world and doing the work ever since. Being an introvert himself, Hadisak says that it's been an interesting and eye-opening experience to witness just how large his client base has gotten, both personally and professionally, as his clients have stepped out of the shadows and into just a little bit of light. Hadisak says... His mission now lies in the work of helping introverts and trauma survivors step into the light and become the person they want to become by stepping into the light and making the impact they want on the world. He joined me this week to share his compelling and thought-provoking story and how his work is helping other introverts come out of their shell and better express themselves. I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Putting things in perspective can be a powerful assistance when you want to really determine which direction you want to take your life. And we began our conversation with Hadishak by him providing a retrospective on his journey towards discovery and developing a sense of personal expression, and self-confidence. Um, well, really, I think I'm going to rewind even a little bit further to start to um, 16 years ago. That was the first time I really had, and I had just started working with people. You know, before that, I was landscape photographer and photojournalist, things like that. But I was really working one-on-one -on -one with people. And a woman named Sarah hired me to conduct a boudoir photo session for her. And if the people watching don't know what boudoir photography is, it's a form of photography that really requires clients to become very vulnerable and very brave as they express their sensual essence on camera. And so this was 16 years ago. And the night before I was supposed to have my photo session with Sarah, I got an email from her. And the subject line was, I need to ask you a question. And the email was very short. There was only four lines in it and it said, I am a breast cancer survivor. I've had a double mastectomy. 
I don't feel like a woman anymore. Do you still want to do this? So, you know, when she asked that last question, do you still want to do this? I asked myself that same question. Do you still want to do this? Can you still do this? And the reason I asked myself that question was because just a couple of years prior to receiving that email from Sarah, my mother had a double mastectomy and she did not survive. She died about six months later. And so, as you can imagine, this brought up, you know, a lot of stuff for me to, to sift through in my own mind. But a lot as of I, emotions, yeah. Yeah. And as I thought about it, I realized, you know, was my mother any less of a woman from the time of her double mastectomy until the time of her death? And the answer was no. And so I just responded sort of nonchalantly to Sarah and said, oh, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, everything's cool. And but between the time I said yes and the time I walked into the room to work with Sarah, I was nervous. I was nervous. And I wasn't nervous because she was asking me for something I didn't know how to do, right? As far as beautiful photography goes. But she wanted more than beautiful photography. You know, I felt that it was this reconnection to herself that was that was missing for her. So I didn't know how I was gonna do it what specifically I was going to do, but I walked into the room and I just started working with Sarah. And while I'm working with her, you know, I'm just feeling this sense of things going a little differently than they had before in a great way. And I, looking on the back of the camera at the photos I've been taking to that point and realizing I was seeing Sarah through a new lens, really. And that lens was compassion and that lens is non-judgment. And it's what I've come to refer to as the lens of love that I see my clients through. And when I reflect Sarah to herself through that lens of love and remove, you know, the self-judgment and the self-criticism and, and the fear from that photograph, when she sees those photographs, she, see, she saw, as she expressed to me, saw herself as whole and as a whole woman. And, you know, I, I know I jumped back eight years further back than we thought we were going to. But for the next eight years after that, I was just doing photography on the side. I kept having these little experiences, you know, working with people where they would tell me afterwards, whether it was right after the session or years after the session sometimes, about some transformation that they went through in the process of being seen in that way and being witnessed as themselves, proven to be, you know, enough in their own eyes in a way that they can they can see and say, yes, I see that peace within myself again. So getting back to your actual question, which was what changed eight years ago, I stepped out of my introvert box in a really big way at that time when I signed up for a public speaking course. <laughs> and it was almost, I was almost saying yes to it on a dare with someone. So I didn't really want to, but I went for it anyway. And one of the questions I asked in that class was, you know, for us to think of 10 story titles of emotionally significant things in our life. And I thought about, you know, five of them were pretty much about my daughter. And the other five were about experiences I had had with clients. And up to that time, I had been struggling with, you know, I had just gone full time into photography and I was struggling with, um, you know, getting the clients, the work I was doing was great, but it's like finding clients and, you know, but when I did this public speaking class and I thought about those story titles, 
I realized that there was a common thread between the emotionally significant, excuse me, um, photo sessions that I had had. And it was this sense of wholeness that came through being seen. And so when I talked about it in the speak, public speaking class on the last day, we had 10 minutes to do a little talk. And I did my, I was very nervous, but I did my little 10 minute talk. And I spoke about these experiences I had had and what I thought the common threads were. And people started hiring me at that, at the public speaking class, like the other students. And then from there, it just took off. It just took off. Um, people started inviting me to speak at their conferences and their retreats, wherever they were in the world. And you know, here I was, had been avoiding being in the spotlight my, my whole life <laughs> up to that point. I think I was, so I was 45 then, so I'm 53 now. And uh, for 45 years, I had been hiding myself in a lot of ways that I didn't realize. They're the same ways that many of my clients were hiding themselves up to the point where they worked with me. So it's this unlocking of yourself and unleashing of yourself that can come through stepping into that light. Well, uh, Don, I, I want to commend you on the uh, strides you've made in that regard. And I have to tell you, there's no, nothing like uh, stepping out of the shadow, shadows to sign up for a public speaking course, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I thought I was going to be sick in the parking lot before I went in there. <laughs> hey, Don, talking to you, I'm, I'm curious if you had any advice or any uh, course of uh, action that other introverts uh, can uh, take in order to be seen and make sure that their uh, stories are also uh, told uh, and, and sort of uh, stepping out of the shadows. Yeah. I do have these conversations often with you know, my, my clients. Some of them are introverts because that's their, their nature, their natural nature. And others are seem to be introverts because they've gone through some trauma or something has happened that has kept them from you know, wanting to make those connections or step into that light because they feel that being in the light is dangerous or being in the light invites judgment or all these things. But, you know, what I found it can be helpful is to, for myself, so if I have a speech like that, by the time I'm done with that speech, I am drained as an introvert by the time, you know, if I'm in front of a few hundred people or something. So I used to schedule sessions for after my speech. So people would be, you know, they would hear me speak and they would want to work with me. And then I would do some sessions after my speech. Well, I stopped doing that because I realized I needed, I had to have that time to re recover, recover my energy, to recoup my energy before I started doing all the sessions. And so, you know, if you can, Get yourself to step into that light and expend some energy being seen, but then make sure you give yourself some time almost as a reward to say, okay, well, the, after my speech and after I talk to people, you know, and shake hands and things after my talk, I'm allowed to go in my room and just read a book or something. <laughs> you know, that can be helpful. Um, specifically with social media, I like to tell introverts, you know, they want to be seen more in things to pick one because part of what's overwhelming for me with social media is there's so many channels you know so what i do is i pick i have two i have facebook and i have instagram and i focus on making myself seen in those arenas so i don't feel like i'm spreading myself too thin and i think you know introverts tend to be people that can um, 
they like to do research and get behind the scenes and see why things work and how things will work better and then focus on something. So I, I think it's helpful to just focus on you know, one or maybe two social media channels. But the bigger piece that I think comes from before all of that, the reflections I get from a lot of my clients is they feel a resistance to stepping into the light because sometimes when they see certain other people doing it, they see an inauthenticity. They say, well, I don't want to do that because that seems, you know, self-aggrandizing or, um, you know, they have very sensitive, you know, BS meters that they're, they're attuned to and they don't want to be a part of that. But what's amazing about that is, and my favorite thing about the work that I'm blessed to be able to do is that we can find the us that exists when we're not, um, you know, we're trying to sell something or whatever and let that come through. And we actually make better connections, I believe, in my personal opinion, better connections, more authentic connections, connections, and certainly deeper connections by refusing to be inauthentic. But that doesn't mean refusing to be seen. It means you're going to make a um, an agreement to be seen, but to show up authentically. So that's that's my very first piece of advice for entrepreneurs that want to step into that light a little more. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing that. That's a, a lot of insightful information. And now uh, you alluded to it a little bit in your last answer, but you're on a mission to help introverts like yourself sort of uh, step out into uh, uh, step out of their shadows and into the line in terms of uh, being extroverts and helping them better express themselves. So I'm curious to uh, get you to expand on your new passion for your mission. Yeah, yeah. So I know so many gifted people who aren't able to share their gifts as much as they would want to. And um, I really feel like they're, the gifts that they have could change the world. And I think we're in a particular place in history where we need everyone to be bringing their gifts right to, to everyone else <laughs> so that we can partake of the magic of, of the other people around us, right? And, you know, I had this gift that I, didn't really, wasn't really aware of and didn't really have a grasp on until I took the step into that light to be seen. And it was in the moment when I was asked the question about the story titles and I realized, oh, here's this common thread. I'm not a wedding photographer only. I'm not a maternity photographer only. I'm not a commercial photographer only. My first mission in this world, I know this without a doubt, is to help unseen people be seen. And so it unlocks their gifts. My hope is that it unlocks their gifts in the way that my gifts were unlocked. Because now, you know, I've worked with more than 700 women in the last eight years. And that includes the year of COVID, which, where I didn't work with very many people, right? Well, the ongoing year and a half of COVID, I should say, but I didn't work with very many people in 2020, or first part of 2021, um, compared to usual. But still, I had positive effect in those 700 plus people's lives. And I still hear from people who have had just amazing, just <laughs> heart opening things happen to them after working with me. Well, I wanna unlock other people in that way. They have these gifts that they want to share and say, well, now look how many people's lives that you've changed. And 
you know, my work is all one-on-one, -on -one, so there's only a certain number of people I can work with for the most part. Um, but some of those people have, you know, the ability to have larger audiences and not be all one-on-one. -on -one. So they may, I mean, you never know, they may change the world, right? Just by bringing that piece forward. So that's, that's kind of my goal is to show people their power and their magic and how they can, they can change the world when they allow themselves to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, paying it forward comes with many uh, gifts seen and unseen, doesn't it, Don? I'm sorry, could you ask that again? I said paying it forward, it comes with many gifts seen and unseen, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, can you tell me, as your uh, experience as an entrepreneur, how do you define uh, success in business yeah so you know i work with a lot of uh spiritual entrepreneurs so you know many um you know energy healers and you know all of those types of things coaches things like that and there's a common um thing that i hear from them about uh well i shouldn't charge too much money because i need to work with as many people as possible or they feel this they feel an ethical hit by charging for what they're doing. And I really have, I really think that that's the wrong way to think about this because, you know, as I mentioned, I have worked with a lot of people and I could not have worked with that many people if I was charging not very much for what I do. So the reason I bring that up is because you're asking about success. Success isn't only monetary at all but there has to be enough that you can keep working with people. So, you know, when I first started doing photography full-time, I wasn't charging very much for it. And I was on my way out of the industry because even when I would get work, I didn't have enough to survive on. And so, you know, our, our job as healers um, is to work with as many people as possible. So we have to charge accordingly. So there's, there is the financial piece to it, but to me, it's really more about the depth to which I've had some impact on on people's lives and and the numbers. I mean, the the the, the quality and the quantity of people that I get to work with is really how I see it and what it lets me do in my life. You know, if it affords me the ability to to have some time where I can relax and things like that. So, um, but really, you know, and I might be a little idealistic about this, but it's the ability to make the world a little bit different and like I, I know i keep talking about this period of time in our life but really we're in this spot where i feel like we can make a change that may not have been possible even two years ago um and i think those things matter even more than they did before because if we get a critical mass of people all trying to make things better i think we can really make a significant change yeah absolutely and and can you also, I know that you've made a, a significant impact on the lives of women and helping them overcome the struggle. So I'm curious to ask you specifically about women and the work that you've done to sort of help them find, find their purpose or find their individual lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when I speak at um, retreats and conferences specifically, Sometimes the conference is about entrepreneurialism, 
Um, sometimes the conference may be about, you know, just women's empowerment. It's kind of funny because my joke is that my title should be the only man in the room because I'm almost always the only man at these events. So, and it, it's a great honor to be, to be standing in a room full of, you know, 500 women and know that I've been invited to be there and to be part of it. So what I find when I work with people, and I'm going to start with the like women's empowerment retreats because they tend to attract people who have been through a lot and they're trying to find their voice already. They're already on that journey. And so when people come in to work with me at these events, they're always in um, like anxiety induced distress when they first come in to work with me. And in some cases it's you know, shaking a little bit. And in other cases it's falling, it's crying their eyes out. And so you know, being able to hold the space where they can either express to me what's behind that or not express because I don't force anybody to tell me their story, but I hear all of these reasons why they feel like they're not enough is the, the basic gist of it. And it can be societal, of course, those societal pressures of being told they're not enough all the time because usually someone's trying to sell them something, whether it's you know cosmetics or a weight loss thing or to hold them down generally so that they can, you know, be in quote unquote their rightful place on the totem pole of business or whatever. Other cases, it's real um, individual trauma. So it could be, um, you know, disease like breast cancer or something like that, or it could be sexual assault. Um, it could be, you know, abuse as a child is one that I hear, honestly, four out of five clients that I work with. Um, these things that keep them from being able, able to show up fully because there's you know either fear around it because it wasn't safe last time they showed up or you know just this nervousness what i found is that even when i work at the entrepreneurial women's conferences those things come up almost every time and so it's almost like i'm moving a little bit forward in the progress of this person stepping into the light when i'm working with entrepreneurs because now at this point you know They've got this idea, they want to go ahead and really go for it and sell it. And they show up at this conference and I'm speaking from the stage about being seen. And then when they come in to work with me, it's back to those stories of not enoughness, right? All the reasons that they're not supposed to be in the light as, as they hear it from society or from individuals. Maybe it's something that someone told them on the, the playground when they were a child that stuck with them this whole time. Or maybe it's a nickname that their father has had for them for the last 35 years, 40 years, that is demeaning, that keeps them from wanting to step into the light. And so it could be any one of a million different things, but the liberation that's on the other side of showing up anyway and saying, you know what, here I am. This is the space I occupy. And I'm allowed to be in the light because I have something to offer, you know, even if it's just their, their essence, their presence, you know, if they're not, they may not be an entrepreneur, but there's still the things that their friends love about them or the things that they love about themselves that they know they have to bring to the world. And having an opportunity to let those things show up is just incredibly liberating as I've, as I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure that the, the work that you've done has had a, a tremendous personal impact on you. So I, I'm curious to follow up by asking you, What's your vision of living a fulfilled and balanced life? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. 
you know, I used to chart out the different aspects. I can't remember what book I pulled this from. I'm not sure if it was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or something, but, you know, the spiritual life and the family life and the work life and just trying to plot those points in those charts. And I have to say, over the last year and a half, I fell out of doing that as much as I, as much as I should be with COVID. It's been so hard to, you know, there were so many dead ends in that chart, it felt like during, during COVID. So um, really focusing, because when I get busy and when I have to, I haven't done it as much this year, but I still have been traveling, making sure that when I'm away from my family and my loved ones and I'm traveling and doing this work that I'm spending an equal amount of time maintaining those relationships. You know, this past um, Sunday, I spent the day driving around in the mountains with my daughter, who's 27. So it's not my little kid. She's my grown-up kid. Um, driving around looking at the leaves all day. And we were together for, you know, from nine in the morning till it was six o'clock. Um, just looking at leaves, you know? And that was the first time in too long that I had taken the opportunity to really invest in that. So paying attention to the different aspects of your life and um, you know, devoting some of that um, uh, precious energy <laughs> to those things and devoting it for yourself too, because that includes self time. So I think being able to have that time, you know, I think time may be the, may be the piece that we measure success by right or measure that balance by yeah does that answer your question yeah absolutely you know there's only so much time in a day and i always tell myself that we make time in life for the priorities that are important to us right yeah and, and don tell me i'm curious to also ask you what does finding your purpose mean for you yeah yeah I think the trick with finding, certainly in my case, finding my purpose was I had to look really deeply into my blind spot. My blind spot was there was not a chance in heck I was ever going to stand on a stage and talk to people. And at the time, as I mentioned, I was struggling with my photography business that I had just switched over to be a full-time photographer. And even when I went to networking events, you know, I had an opportunity at a networking event. This is sort of the catalyst. I had an opportunity at a networking event to stand in front of the group and talk about what I did. And that sounds pretty normal, but I did not want to do that that day. You know, I was just in my deep in my introvert mood. And, you know, I have um, or had more, um, a lot of social anxiety around speaking in front of people and things like that at the time. And so I turned that opportunity down. Here I was this struggling entrepreneur. I went to a new networking event and they said, oh, we'd love for you to stand in front of the group and tell us what you do. And I could not do it. I was so terrified. So I went back home and I told my partner at the time what had happened. And you know, I was very ashamed of myself for that. I had a lot of shame about that because you know, here I was struggling. I felt very silly and you know, emasculated for not having had the courage to stand in front of this group. That was when I got the suggestion that maybe I would do a public speaking class. And I was like, well, if I can't stand in front of a networking group, I certainly can't stand in front of you know, a, a crowd on a stage by choice and pay, pay to do it. 
<laughs> on top of that, right? <laughs> Why would I pay for the opportunity to feel that amount of anxiety? But I did it anyway, um, in part because I didn't want to feel that shame again. And it had kind of been challenged into it, right? But by walking into the thing that was absolutely positively the most terrifying thing on the planet to me, literally, I, I would have done anything else. Skydiving, fine. Like bungee jumping, fine. Anything but stand on a stage. Um, that was where my, my purpose was. My purpose was in the deep, dark shadow of my biggest fear. Because my purpose was to be able to communicate this to people and to then be able to work with them and unlock my particular weird gift that I didn't even know existed or didn't recognize until I did that. And then I was like, oh, I'm not any of those kinds of photographers. I'm the person that helps people see their light and their power and their gifts. So. Yeah, absolutely. And my uh, final question for you this morning has to do with your personal and uh, professional legacy and how you would like that uh, to be defined. Yeah. Yeah, so hmm. <laughs> I want people to understand that they, I, I am not um, necessary to this process. So I really feel like, you know, there, there are things that I bring to the work that allow me to help people get comfortable enough to show up, but I don't want people to stop seeing, stop experiencing this work when I can't do it anymore or whatever. I mean, I'm 53 now, so there's probably a little bit of, <laughs> hopefully a decade or two maybe to keep doing it, but the message is, is bigger to me than than the sessions themselves, which is why I like speaking in front of a big group, even if, only I can, even if I can only work with a few of them, because I know the rest of them may take this and go somewhere else and say, well, now I have ways, you know, that I may be able to step into that light and be seen and not feel as much, um, you know, terror or whatever the thing is. So mostly I'd love for this work to continue as a quiet movement or a loud movement or, or whatever. Personally, now my daughter, it feels good because my daughter is really super, she's very proud of me. <laughs> and she, whenever I meet one of her friends, they're just like, you know, I'm so anxious to meet you because your daughter talks about you all the time and work we do with women and things like that. And um, that's, that feels great. And it feels great that she recognizes it. And, you know, I remember when my grandfather died, this, this may be, I don't mean this in an egocentric way. My grandfather was a very quiet man. He was probably an introvert too. But when he died and I went to his funeral, there were like 300 people there. <laughs> and I was like, I had no idea he even knew 300 people, right? But he had touched people in such a way, even in, by being, even as an introvert, even as a quiet man, um, he made a difference in people's lives and they remembered it, you know? And, if, if I get to do that in my life, I would be happy if there were a lot of people at my funeral. Is that egocentric? <laughs> no, no, it just means that, you, that you've made a positive impact on a large number of people. There, there's nothing wrong with uh, 
having your kids be proud of you and having a big impact on the world. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, I'm wondering if you can tell me if people want to get connected with you, what's the best way they can do that? Yeah. So my website is tribeofdiamonds.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook or uh, Instagram at Tribe of Diamonds. And yeah, those are the two best ways to find me. Don at tribeofdiamonds.com is my email address. I'm happy to get emails from people. And I'm always, you know, letting people know about where my next live event is or when my next Zoom webinar is. I've got one coming up in October so they can find all that information there. Fantastic. Don, I really want to thank you for uh, spending a few minutes with me to talk about uh, stepping out of the shadows and coming into the lives. Your time, energy, and expertise on my behalf are most appreciated. And I want to thank you for being here this morning. Thank you as well for having me. Have a great day.